Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Kira Jane O'Sullivan, a comedian and writer on Saturday Night Live. And I'm Chris Starkennis, your average adopted farm-raised biracial queer guy. Together we host Petty Crimes, a podcast where we investigate exceedingly petty drama submitted by our listeners each week. Like one listener sent a story in about the time she got a massage and her masseuse fell asleep on top of her with her hands on her back. So what does she do? Check out Petty Crimes, available everywhere. Hi there. Uh, welcome to Really with Tom and Dave. I'm the I'm the Dave in that equation, Dave Foley. Uh, and, uh, also on the screen, you'll see someone named Tom Wheeler, who I believe, uh, fulfills the role of the Tom. I am the Tom part, Dave. And today, uh, we're thrilled to have Payne Lindsay joining us. Payne is an uh, Atlanta-based director, award-winning documentary filmmaker, and the co-creator and host of the hit podcast, Up and Vanished. Uh, driven by a newfound passion for both the true crime genre and investigative journalism, Lindsay decided to investigate the disappearance of beauty queen and school teacher Tara Grinstead, a notorious decade-old cold case from South Georgia. The events of the next 12 months turned Tara Grinstead's case into one of the biggest crime stories of the year, uh, with over 150 million downloads up and vanished, propelled Grinstead's case into the mainstream media, uncovering new evidence that helped to crack the 11-year-old cold case in early 2017 and lead to two arrests. On the strength of the podcast success, uh, Payne Lindsay launched Atlanta-based content creation company Tenderfoot TV along with his business partner, Donald Albright. And we're here today to speak with him about his new podcast, High Strange, a fantastic deep dive into the UAP topic. And we're thrilled to speak with him today. Yeah. So we're going to well welcome uh, Payne Lindsay now. Tom usually does most of the early talking because he's uh, more, he's more, it's a lot of pressure, Dave, than me. Uh, That's a lot we to want to throw at me. Yeah, but but want to thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Uh, Absolutely, both, both here uh, in this moment doing this dumb thing, uh, but on thank you in a broader uh, way for joining into the uh, the UFO conversation. Right. Uh, yeah. Step on in there. Which it's a is slippery uh, slope. 
Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, What is? Go ahead, Dave. No, you go. No, you go. No, okay, I'll go. I tried to give you your your space. You did. You gave me a complete runway, and I I ran right off it. But um, I think we we were both talking about um, this idea of you. First of all, just how you started as an investigator, because this is a really interesting journey from true crime to UAP, but even further back, like what, what motivated you, gave you the idea to even jump into these kind of cold cases, um, in or, you know, and then we're forced yeah. to, you know, the massive success that resulted from that. And then choosing this pivot to UAP is we're really curious about, but just how did you get started investigating? What, yeah. what, prompted that yeah because as i understand it you were sort of happily leading the life of a a college dropout disappointing your parents oh yeah it was was great yeah you know and and worthless yeah and then this occurred to you yeah how like i mean there's so many times i take an interest in things but it never occurs to me why don't i become an expert at this yeah i mean like in hindsight it does sound a little crazy um but i did it i just always was into a good mystery just a classic you know, the show Unsolved Mysteries, Twilight Zone. I liked scratching my head and trying to figure something out. And so just from a human standpoint, I think I was really drawn to the unsolved, mm-hmm. just generally speaking. And I just, I guess I got enough courage one day to even have the thought of what if I did one of those true crime documentaries? You know, I didn't know the qualifications the other guys had, but I knew that I probably didn't have as many. But I was like, okay, maybe maybe this is a a thing that I could actually be decent at because I I I like the human part of it. And I like, you know, talking to people and trying to find the truth. And so if I could apply my creative skills and get better at that part, maybe I could make something out of this. So it's just a kind of a, a simple, loose idea in my head. And it was enough for me to take a risk and and try it, even though I didn't like my voice and all that stuff that everyone always says. But I just kind of went for it. And did you, like did you did you uh, sort of research the actual the, the nature of being an investigator before doing it, or did you just launch straight into finding people and interviewing them? I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be like a cop or something, so I, I just I was looking at it from you know more of a, a lay person's perspective, just kind of from the beginning. It was more so kind of, I guess, in taking all the knowledge that I needed to know to be well-versed on a particular case so I, I could actually have a thought of where to go to next. And so I, I didn't really try to mirror anybody or anything else that I saw out there. And I, you know, I was the furthest thing from a, a real investigator but I learned very quickly in the early stages that it was really the the people skills that mattered the most. And because I wasn't a police officer and I wasn't from you know a, a respectable news agency, that there was a lot it was a lot more comfortable for some people to talk to me because it didn't feel like it was a, a big deal. And I, I could just walk up with a a little recorder and it's like, yeah, this is some guy from the city with a podcast. You know, who who cares? And then it got really big and it became a thing. But I, I think that at, at the core, it was something new that wasn't really a threat to anybody. So mm-hmm. when you start, you know, 
even maybe before you got to Asilla, like with the Tyra Grinstead case, what was there a moment where, cause I completely admire like the courage, the motive, it just the initiative to like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to fucking do it. I'll figure it out as you know, as I go. Right. You know? And then suddenly like <laughs> you're dealing with people that, you know, could be suspects. You're dealing with a, a small, very small town, you know, with its own personality. And was there a moment where you went like, like, have I, like, what have I gotten myself into at all? Or like that gave you pause of like, this is these people, there could be a murderer amongst these people. I mean, I just looked up one day and I was surrounded by it. It just happened kind of slowly over time and snowballed to where now I'm neck deep in this thing. And there's no turning back or going the other way. And now I have the choice of whether to, you know, go harder or, you know, stay at the pace I'm at. And everything I did in the podcast would immediately affect uh, immediately affect the next thing that happened. You know, it was happening in this sort of real time way where someone would be on the, on the show. And then the next week that that person would, you know, someone else would hear them and then that would inform the next person or, or someone else heard it and they'd never spoken before in their life. And now the dots are connecting and, so it's this living, breathing thing that was really, truly evolving as it was going. And and then eventually I, I kind of just looked back and was like, oh, shit, this is uh, this is for real. And then, you know, once it got crazier with the arrest, that was when I had to really decide whether or not I was going to ride the bull for real here or, you know, throw in the towel and, and leave it where it was. Well, talk about that. You mean the arrest of the uh, Duke, Ryan Duke and Bo Dukes or the one Ryan happened first, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ryan and, Duke was arrested first. And you were, and, you know, uh, the media, but you, everyone knows it was you who really kind of kicked up all of this activity and created this conversation. So to your credit, um, and credit where it's due, I mean, it was, you know, the police, the GPI and all these places were really, um, you know, uh, crediting this this podcast or this conversation as, as leading to this. But it was also unexpected yeah i mean do you want to just like walk through what that was like for you i mean or to hear yeah, about yeah. this happen i mean it was about six months into producing the the podcast and i had i think i had 12 main episodes out at that point and i had a couple bonus episodes of you know q a and other kind of deep dives and so i was, I was really deep into the actual case and i you know had, had befriended all these different locals i was talking to her family, to her friends. And when this, you know, huge news broke that, you know, first time in 10 years that they have a suspect and they're making an arrest here, it was, you know, a shock to the whole community. And the second I I learned of this arrest, I was immediately hearing a, a, a competing narrative that involved somebody else. And I had to decide right then and there if I was going to keep poking at this or if I was just going to let, you know, the justice system run its right. course or, you know, or whatever it was. And I decided that night, I'm like, this is part two of this is going to be a different story. Yeah. You know, did, part did two you... was like, or part one was like, we're trying to figure this out. Part two is who are these guys? And now, what did, they know? did you take a moment to be afraid? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, that it was it's like a, the whole classic adrenaline situation where, you know, I was definitely nervous at, at certain points, but 
I, I felt this like real true responsibility to not drop the ball. And so I kind of had to push that to the side a little bit. Yeah. You know, so if, I couldn't feel, you know, super justified being scared all the time. If that was the case, and I, sh- I definitely shouldn't be doing this, right? Um, and even if it was <laughs> yeah. scared all the time doing this podcast, you know, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, this, I, this subject scares I, the shit out of me. So I, you know, but go ahead. I, yeah. I was went, once in a jeep in Kenya, and we got surrounded by a herd of elephants, and oh, I very wow. excitedly climbed up on the roof of the jeep Uh-oh. and started taking pictures, and then climbed back in where my father-in-law, who is African, uh, said, uh, "Oh, uh, David, you know that was extremely dangerous." And um, so that's kind of how I picture you at this point. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're up on the yeah. roof surrounded by elephants that might flip the car over and kill you, but you're not thinking about it. You're more excited about the process that you're in the middle of. Yeah. And it's also kind of, uh, you know, you can focus on the risk as- aspect of it, or you can focus on what's working and and feel how close you are to something big happening. Yeah. And so I really try to lean into really more of the adrenaline excitement of it all because mm-hmm. it was it was it was real life stakes you know it was a creative venture mostly at first and then it was this huge creative venture with all of these components of a real life murder case and dealing with the police they don't like me we're at odds the community split and it's just a i had to just figure it out it was like yeah. I, I had no choice it was like this I'm, is I'm, i gotta do it I'm guessing the murderer wasn't sending you happy fan mail at the time. They weren't uh, fans ooh, at all. No, um, no. Yeah. One of those guys, Bo Dukes, definitely had a, a good old time playing on our discussion board. And I think he just kind of relished in the idea that people were talking about this case and were speculating about what happened. And he was just kind of sitting back there probably thinking, like, I, I know what you don't know. And, and it probably felt empowering to him and his ego a little bit, mm-hmm. which honestly was ultimately how he got caught further was because he just mm-hmm. couldn't get enough of this weird new thing that there wasn't really a blueprint for in the moment at the time. Mm-hmm. It was, well, he was becoming a celebrity. He was, yes. Yes, which is always intoxicating. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's crazy. But so, so you, but so you, you go down this, this, on this journey and you create this, this podcast that has this huge following. And, but more than that, you create this credibility for yourself, uh, and for the, the work that you're doing, the quality of the work you're doing. And then, uh, you know, and you, and you, you did subsequent true crime podcasts, subsequent series. And then, and then suddenly you decide to ruin it all. By doing a UFO podcast, right? I just I took I took the crazy pill and I was like, "See you guys." It's yeah, wanted to go really unsolved. Like the, this was not unsolved, but you wanted to really go for it and yeah. Uh, yeah. and pivot to this conversation. It's like, let's really do this thing. Yeah, and were, were you were you aware of the potential risks to all of everything that you had built up by doing this, covering this story? Absolutely. It actually is the it's the thing I thought about the most. It is. It was. I was only really into making the podcast itself because I had what I thought was a a fresh, a fresher, more nuanced take on the subject matter that hadn't been done really before. I felt like all the stuff I'd seen and watched for the most part was kind of servicing people who already believed. It was kind of it was it was just fan service. I was like, oh yeah, of course, this is fun. 
And you know, how do I get my grandma to say, well, I don't know, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really one of the driving forces. And so I wanted to be able to poke it from both sides and apply some of the analytical approaches I've, I've put into the true crime genre and treat this almost no differently. Like it's an unsolved murder with serious stakes. And also, you know, I'm not just, I'm taking everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. How would you characterize your, your mindset going in towards this topic? I mean, are you leaning, uh, bullshit? Are you leaning? Like, I truly hope there's the answer in here. What, where, where did you start? I mean, as a kid, I always thought, you know, how, how cool would it be? What if, right? I mean, if we're not alone, that, that was just a fun thought. So I always wanted to believe that. And I really hadn't approached it as an adult, uh, like in a, in a serious way ever. And I just had this idea, which was to me at first, just fun. It was like almost like a, a passion project. Like, oh, this is a cool topic. I should go investigate UFOs and aliens. That sounds cool. And once I started doing it, I, I realized, like, holy shit, this is actually a lot a lot more serious now than I ever thought it was. And that just continued to grow and to grow. And I mean, I would say without a doubt, there's definitely something going on. There's, we're definitely not alone, but I, the problem is that there's so many confusing stories and that can and conflicting this and that and hoaxes and all this stuff that like, it's just so muddied that I almost wanted to be able to give it, to a listener on a silver platter, like, hey, I did the work for you. It's okay. Like, you know, just give this a taste. If you don't like it or if you're out, that's all good. But if you're, if you don't want to listen, then I feel like you're being closed minded. Mm-hmm. No, I, well, I think you did a great job of like creating, I guess, in, in, I guess in America, you call it a primer. Uh, in, in Canada, we pronounce it correctly, a primer. Um, well, I say primer. Start. Don't you start. say primer? Okay. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good for you. Primer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Primer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never understood like that. Trimmer? Uh, trimmer? Yeah, it was a, yeah, it's a primer for the subject. Uh, but yeah, but you you I think you did an excellent job of creating like a uh and for me I was like watching like listening to the entire series uh and watching someone very much to me it was uh comforting cuz I felt like I was watching somebody go through the the stages I had gone through uh-huh. um starting about you know, again, going from going from childhood curiosity to about 10 years ago thinking mm, there's something serious to this. Uh, and then going and then going down these steps and, and hearing these stories and getting more and more sort of lost in that and the narrative that is, uh, you know, one, one that is mostly ignored. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I, I wanted to portray that too a little bit, just the that thinking process of, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and thinking out loud a little bit. because I, I feel like that's very relatable. It's what you don't talk about when there's something that is unexplained that, you know, that science can't fully explain yet. It just, some people just don't want to go there because they don't know where to go. And so if I, just kind of thinking out loud, just in a very normal lay person's way, I felt like that could be a relatable just sort of entry point for people to open their minds a little bit to, to realize that there is stuff out there that we don't know. And it's always been that way. Yeah. No, it created a, a real comfort level. I think it was important to say, like, I know this sounds like total fucking insanity, what we're, but you know, what you're about to hear, or right. I know, you know, people kind of need that. They need the reassurance mm-hmm. of that, that we're just not, you know, uh, firing things at you that you're supposed to take, you know, whole cloth and 
Um, and it doesn't shock me that after, by the way, the podcast, your pot is high strange, which is fantastic Ooh. available <laughs> where all the fine podcasts are sold. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, it is, uh, you can listen to it on my laptop if you want. Yeah. Even. You can go yeah, to Dave's house. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. it's, it's, it's really a, a fantastic kind of, yeah. Encapsulation of, uh, w you know, where we are and some of the most compelling cases, um, of probably the past 50 years. And it doesn't shock me that after some of those interviews, which are, um, wild and want to, I want to talk about in a, in a, you know, in a few minutes, but, um, that you, so it sounds like that continuum was as a kid, I was interested. This is a cool topic. There seems to be some buzz around, you know, there's stuff going on, but then is it fair to say you've landed on the yeah. holy shit see, place, yeah. you know, the oh, yeah. sort of like, Occupy now. It, it's definitely real. And yeah. I think it's it's more real than we than it, you know the 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 biggest misconception to me is always like it's like the old school '90s thought of you know we're on Earth and aliens are from Mars and it's it's like an us versus them idea as if there's just one thing over here and one thing over there. I think it's probably so many things, which is why it's also confusing. Yes. and we're just also curious a curious species and we've come up with stuff that isn't real too. And so it's like, you, where do you start? Right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And it's, um, which is, I don't know if you found this. I mean, you, you're doing the thing that, that, uh, are the, the, I hate using the term mainstream media because it, it makes me feel like Sarah Palin. Um, <laughs> but, but the mainstream media, uh, does the a thing that you're not doing, which is they, they they take the easiest out they can find, which is oh ninety five percent of these of sightings can be explained. So let's ignore this topic entirely, uh, as right. opposed to going, yeah, that's true. It's always been true, but the five percent that can't be explained is really crazy, and is probably the most interesting story on Earth. And why are we ignoring it? And right. it seems that you have a natural inclination to not take the. Um, you know, the, the, uh, accepted story, the public facing story, uh, as gospel. I also realize the, the real implica the real implications of it all. You know, I, I, I almost, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm for full disclosure. I, you know, tell me everything, right. You, you owe it to us, but I could totally see why you wouldn't want to do that. Totally. I was going to ask you, I was going to, I, cause honestly I go back and forth. Like to me, it's not mm -hmm. as cut and dried, like particularly the more you kind of dig into this. And, um, I, you know, I went from, yeah, curious about the topic, uh, after several conversations with Dave got, you know, I was like, this has to, you know, this is so worth doing. And it also to your point, the creating something that gives people an on-ramp to this topic is mm -hmm. seems critical because yeah so much you see is kind of inside baseball like who's mad at who in, the, in a community yeah. you're just trying to get a handle on really it's like i want to know like wh what do people know like what's what's happening what the fuck is going on um but i i do wonder about disclosure because yeah what if it's a real super bummer of an explanation i mean is it you know that what, what if it's not yeah. that like hey they're they're really far away they're vegetarian they're just checking on us they just want to know if we're okay you know yeah. and it's like we can maybe see them someday when our science reaches that point and it, like what if it's like far more intimate and and uh you know close up and nearby and really cure you know quirky and weird I, yeah, to your point, I can see the rationale 
inside the government, which, you know, rarely makes great decisions anyway. I'm just like, oh, I'll just fucking put it as, you know. What, exactly, yeah. What kind of, I guess I would say, like, what kind of advice would you give the media of how to deal with this? Like, I mean, if it is, you know, like, what's, what's an, what's an on-ramp from their perspective? You know, I mean, it's because this is, boi this is boiling up. There's no way this is going to hold for another year or two. Like mm -hmm. this will start to just spill over the pot. Um, what's the approach or explanation? Yeah. Do you think? I would say they should approach it like they approach everything else. You know, you can still poke at it and challenge it, but, but ignoring it seems silly. I mean, if there's a, if there's a guy that comes out a whistleblower and he has all these, yeah. wild outlandish claims right and he's got all these decorations and all these other people who are supporting him it makes you wonder why he'd make it up like to me as a journalist to me that is interesting either way right it's like travis well Walton. if travis walton made that up oh my god that to me is actually more amazing at yeah. this point well, I think that the David Grush. We'll talk about him, by the way. But yeah, right. go ahead. This yeah. is referring to it. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We're going to come back to Travis because we're very curious about your uh, that experience for you. Um, but yeah, so we have David Grush, who was a 14-year intelligence officer, uh, read in on over 2,000 uh, secret access programs, which are the most secret things the government has. Uh, has the highest security clearance you can get. Um, and is given the job of investigating UAPs for the UAP task force that is mandated by Congress. And he decides to come forward and say that he's hearing that there is a, a, a craft, non-human craft retrieval and, and reverse engineering program ongoing for decades and it's secret and it's illegal. And so even if that story is crazy, the fact that someone of this stature in that position is coming forward, even if he's crazy or even if he's lying, Mm -hmm. It's a huge story. It, exactly. And, uh, if it was on any other subject, if it was on any sort of international foreign affairs or politics, it would be getting nonstop wall-to-wall -wall coverage on every outlet. For sure. And it's absolute silence. Are you? Are you a little? Uh, and it's because I, I feel I, like I, I thought about this. This is like a thing that my my friend Mike and I have, who produced the show with me as well, have talked about a lot recently. Is and it, it really has been bothering him a lot. This idea of if you look at it, why does it seem like it's all like the the right media who's covering this and obsessed with it? And my first thought was, well, if you think about like the ideology behind like left and right, the right kind of has this idea of, you know, you know, stick it to the man and like the government, like, you know, not trusting the government. And so this kind of really plays into that if, if they have some big secret like that. Plus, you have a Democrat in office, so it's kind of like a you could be a hero over here, even if you were spouting nonsense. You'd have to prove me wrong too. And I mm -hmm. think on the left, they're like probably too scared to touch it because they want to know more first. They're like, I don't know if this is real. They're probably sitting there wondering if it's real or not. Honestly, well, I kind of get I get the impression that the left just is sort of uh, condescendingly comfortable just assuming that they know better than those hillbillies right. on the right. And the right. weird thing is that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years old. So I remember very clearly when it was the left that didn't trust government <laughs> and, the, and, the, circle. <laughs> yeah, and the right who kept saying, if you don't like it here, leave. Uh -huh. um, uh, and now, even if, yes. Sorry, sorry I was ahead. just going to say, even if you think David Grush is nuts, you know, even if the media concludes, you know, CNN thinks David Grush is nuts, like look at the, 
the bipartisan curiosity and interest um, of the Senate, where, mm -hmm. I mean, in the last year, even when we had the balloons going down, I mean, I don't know, we got super crazy, unbelievable photographic evidence of this one balloon getting the shit blown out of it, like over and over, 82, 82 angles. And then there were three subsequent that they're like, I don't know, we just, you it mean was the weird there. ones, right? The ones that mm -hmm. moved weird? Yeah, the ones that ones we that have no balloons. pictures. Say again? So the ones that weren't balloons. Mm -hmm. Where are they? They just can't find them. They just, I mean, yeah. they landed. Yeah. We looked everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen everyone from Warner to Gillibrand to Rubio to Kennedy. Which Couldn't met, possibly yeah. disagree with some of these people more. But like Romney, I mean, you see across there is obvious concern, obvious annoyance that they're not being told. And it, mm -hmm. and it does. And the fact that Rubio's comments, again, whatever you think, I mean, mm -hmm. I suppose there is a potential political advantage, though I, it seems slight to me because it's still so out there and fringy, even probably to the far right, for him to come forward and be like, this guy's super credible, like he's credible, we're considering it credible, and, it, and, it, and he's repeating, this is Grush now, in, in these um, hearings, what we've heard from many, many people. Mm -hmm. And so... There is this sense of like, and I guess it is a talking, a conservative talking point of the sort of shadow government, like the deep state or whatever the fuck, you know, but let's find the truth and let's, you know, it's like freeze and get it out. Why mm -hmm. can't we find out these, pro like where these programs are? It does show the non-monolithic nature of government. It shows the fact that it's just scattered programs and scattered interests or whatever, because I find it disturbing that this committee, the Senate or Intelligence Armed Services Committee, whatever, can't locate this shit like like they can't you know mm -hmm. if it exists they seem to believe it could exist they believe it's credible um information i don't know i find that it's really private entities probably you know like I, I mean we trust them for every other really cool badass airplane we make you know, right we'll make them ourselves right and it'd be hard mm -hmm. to crowbar it out of there even if yeah. you know so you pass some law you know that says they need to come forward with this yeah. um but even just just the and again you go back to just just the existence of the law that's that was just written whether we'll see if it gets passed uh the whistleblower again, law or yeah the new the new one with all of the uh basically all the provisions for cutting off funding to uh mm -hmm. sap programs that don't comply with mm. dis disclosure to congress and congressional oversight so anyway uh you know and the fact that 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 legislation actually includes the words uh materials not of earth uh, in it <laughs> wild times <laughs> you know uh that the fact that 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 by that at this point in history that any bipartisan legislation exists would be a big story and again you know <laughs> yeah. no co no coverage of that legislation at all why can't i get katie tour to pay attention you know i think it's just because there's nothing super definitive yet, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to need that picture. We're going to need yeah. that video. We're going to need a bunch of things. Because it's still gray, I think people are a little scared to go out on a limb and mm -hmm. go for this ride, especially approaching a new election. It's like they don't want to make it about this if it doesn't have to yeah. be. But I, I will say it becomes this at some but point. Right? But I'll say there, we might not have the solid evidence for this is UFOs and aliens. Sure. But we definitely have solid evidence that David Grush exists, yeah, and right. we yeah. and we definitely have solid evidence. <laughs> and if he's that, not real, then yeah, man. 
And we know for a fact that the uh, Congressional Oversight Committee exists mm-hmm. and that they've written legislation. So all these things we know exist and aren't being reported. So it's, so it's only its tangential connection to this topic that nobody wants to touch except for, except for News Nation. Um, right. Uh, or Fox News, sadly. Um, right, yeah. And, and, or potentially and, a High Strange season two. I mean, is that yeah. something yeah, you're considering? We're definitely going to do it. Um, oh, good. Oh, 100%. good. Yeah, there's just the conversation is not going away. And I feel like if this was your first, you know, cup of tea with this, then I'd love to just keep it going and, you know, learn with me as we do this. Because we're also living in an un- unprecedented time with this topic. Yeah. Yes. yes. Did you, and did, did, did any part of you anticipate that? when you were making the first season and obviously you, you spent, I think what a year and a half making the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of lead time. And we found even just doing our, 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 our silly podcast uh, that uh, like we recorded a bunch of uh, episodes and then right after them, we had Leslie Kane and Ralph yeah, Leslie. on separately a week before. <laughs> a week before. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. She was always uh, kind of hinting at me. She wasn't saying it literally outright, but she was like saying that, you mean the rumor was that there's the craft retrieval programs. And I heard that from not just her, but uh, yeah. other journalists like her who yeah. have the right sources. Yeah. I know. I, yeah, I definitely, I've been, I've been hearing it from, I talked to Leslie before this and before we talked to her and also George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell mm-hmm. who've been, you know, hinting that stuff was coming for a long time. And I remember talking to, had, had dinner with uh, my friend Chrissy Newton and Lou Elizondo. Oh, and nice. He was, and he was very, uh, Again, was, was almost almost a year ago, saying something was coming, and but no one would say that it was this. Yeah, but but it's interesting. Like, what we're left with is people, right? We're left with witnesses. We're left with experiences. We're you know, and how we gauge their their authenticity, their sincerity, and that's what I find so compelling about uh, your interviews you know, is, is because we don't have a ship that we can drag out onto the runway and say, you know, then we're really left to kind of weigh human nature and gauge the, you know, how true these people are. And I, I'm, and I do want to like this, the Travis Walton case, and I, I'm happy to do it like a quick blip of what that was just to, for our, for the viewers and those who haven't seen high strange yet, you know, or heard it yet. Um, So this was 1975. Mm -hmm. Uh, Travis Walton was a logger. And he and six of his crew are headed home. They see in the woods a object, bright yeah. lights. Travis runs out to it. And his friends see him get zapped by something that comes from this vessel. And he's blown like he's, you know, blown 20 feet. They and this is all their all all their stories say this. And this is, you know, going on what, 45 years? Um they think their friend's dead. They go. They leave. Of course, who wouldn't? You know. Well, I don't know. Uh, Dave, I'll go back and get you. I'll grab you if, if this eventually. happens. Yeah, eventually. eventually. That's all I ask. When I recover, you make an effort. Like yeah. like those guys did. They freaked right. out. They drove off. <laughs> They're like, and, oh wait, we should probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that moment of going, oh, this weren't. This isn't going to sound good when we tell yeah, the we, story. We shitty friends. I yeah. mean, and I don't even want to make light of it because what happens after is so like. So they go get the cops. They come back. Travis is gone, and Travis is gone for five days. Yep. 
and they send out a, a manhunt, a massive manhunt for three or four days. And in the meantime, all these guys have come forward with this same outlandish or at least outlandish sounding story to the point where the cops are like, okay, uh, you saw the UFO, you know, um, <laughs> Travis then shares this incredible story of what happened to him, mm -hmm. which is, can, Again, well, can I interject one one yes. detail? I think that is important that people overlook is that um, his friends are all accused of murder, which I've never been accused of murder. Uh, but I'm pretty sure if I had pulled a, like a funny hoax and then I was accused of murder, I'd go, oh, I was kidding. It was just no. You say I'm joking. Yeah. And I'm really oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, let really me get Let me go get Travis. Yeah. From behind yeah, the tree. Here. Come, you can come out now. Yeah. But yeah. they stuck to their story, even though they were looking at a murder charge potentially. So, and so Travis, go on. yeah, no, I just uh, Travis stuck to his story, and 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 what what transpired on this? He assumed he was on the ship, right? He wakes up and thinks he's in a hospital, um, and when his eyes clear, he realizes like, oh shit, this is not the hospital. Those aren't doctors. He tells this this flight story of trying to escape and I'll fight them and I'll do and I'm going through winding passages and it's all and as I'm saying it now you know it's all really um head scratching hard to you know swallow stuff however when you listen to this guy and you know in your interview you know he's got this Sam Elliott gravelly kind of amazing voice oh, and this textbook. it's like you would hire this guy as your it's amazing for the movie <laughs> but take us through that getting that interview in the before and after. i'm just like your your experience of this story and then meeting this guy and what was that like for you well when i first finally was was about to sit down with him and i i did mention it in the podcast and it, it really did happen this way he he pulled up after not responding for a couple hours and he sat in the driveway of this airbnb for at least 10 minutes just and he wasn't on the phone it was like he was mentally preparing and at, at this point I, mean, I, I was trying to take a a skeptical approach to this enough to where i wasn't just going to be foaming at the mouth for his story but i was like why why would he be is it a traumatic thing that he's preparing to go back into is he I got to go tell this lie one more time. Like what, what is it? Right. And then the second he opens his mouth and starts recalling this, it was, you could really genuinely tell in his face, in his voice that he was revisiting a nightmare. Like this was and, and a nightmare that for 45 plus years, a lot of people don't believe, which would be kind of maddening if it, you know, if it really happened, that would be extremely frustrating. And he said mm -hmm. it changed his, you know, it, it, it transformed every relationship and he mm -hmm. wished it had never happened. And so in the course of seeing that emotion, are you, you know, you're, I, I have a experience. I, I don't have an experience. I have a friend who had an experience who we're going to have on the podcast at, uh, you know, uh, quite soon, but her story, uh, you know, as someone like I, trusted implicitly and had, you know, and had great credibility to me and in our lives and whatever really changed my, it really was a paradigm shift for me. Cause I had to make a choice of like my own intuition versus my worldview and needing to either say this person's crazy or, right. or everything's different. I mean, 
where were you at that point when you're talking to this guy in that journey? I tried to at that point, and that was actually the first big interview I got. And so that was just, you know, it hit me over the head and, you know, opened my eyes a little bit. I was trying to be as objective as possible, like in my head. And I mean, what are the rational alternatives here? If it if it's not true, then what actually did happen here? And I couldn't really figure out a good one. I so all six of these guys made this up, and he goes and hides in the in the woods for five days, or it, while his family is actually looking for him. And to to what end did you decide at twenty three years old that you were going to just be this guy? For the rest of your did he life? strike you as a prankster, yeah. Travis Wall? Did he strike you as a real like no, but jokester? <laughs> not at all. No, he, he also like that coupled with the sincerity in his voice and how it really did feel like it was something hard to talk about. Yeah, that he was actually tired of talking about. It's like he he didn't want to do it. You know, I think the the I knew of I had a friend who knew him, which was totally bizarre. I was like, you know, this guy. And I'm like, okay, well, can you, can you connect me? But he would have not, he, he would not have done it. Otherwise, I don't think, I think he's mm-hmm. exhausted it a little bit in his head. I mean, you know, his head just in, in life yeah. and probably just doesn't see the point to keep rehashing it over and over again. But yeah. yeah. Well, definitely listening to your interview with him, you could hear, and I think you captured that more than I think almost anything I've ever, I mean, I've seen a lot of, interviews and like documentaries recounting his story again. Um, I think you kind of captured the trauma of it more than I've heard in any other interview with him. Um, which is to me is like so important because definitely with him, I mean, I, I kind of pushed off the abductee aspect of this phenom of the phenomena uh-huh. for a long time. Cause it's just so weird and hard to embrace. Yeah, it, it is. And you realize that the people who have experienced it, there's this, this initial trauma that robs them of any sense of security for the rest of their lives. And then the additional trauma of all of the people in the, in the world telling them that they're liars or, or lunatics. I mean, and which is maybe even more traumatizing than the, the initial event. I don't know oh, if you've yeah, got that absolutely. sense. When I got back from Arizona, I, I listened to the tape one time through. And that was really the the click moment. I would he was talking about when he was laying on the table in this spacecraft, and he thought they were they were doctors at first, and just the the way, the way he was telling the story, and he, and he realized that they weren't doctors. And I was like sitting there visualizing it all. I was like, man, if this really happened, that's fucking scary. Like if if that happened to you, that would be very terrifying. Whether they're there to hurt you or not. which it seems like they were not. And he also, he didn't really, we didn't put that entire clip in the, in the show, but he kind of in a roundabout way told us that he thinks that they saved his life. Really? Like like they, they might've hurt him. Oh shit. We, we hit him with the beam and they're like, Mm -hmm. guys, guys, (laughs) who was at the wheel? Who had the, you know, yeah. Somebody was that. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, the sense of clean up on aisle seven call. Made. Yeah. Well, he yeah. Well, he talked about that feeling like I'm gonna die. I'm so hurt. I'm gonna die. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and it sounded like from his perspective. And this is the other thing, like Dave, to your point, and just the 
this this stigma the first of the terror and hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Horror of this absolutely extraordinary thing that's you have no context for. You can't even be like, I'm getting mugged because other people have been mugged. Like this yeah. is a utterly unique thing to have happened and then to not be able to share it without everyone thinking you're crazy. And he had six witnesses who like maintain this. I mean, he had witnesses. So even, and and uh, my friend had corroborating, a, a corroborating witness to ex- extraordinary events at the very same moment that give credence to it and still in her case, her family was kind of you sure you, you know, you sure it wasn't a dream or you sure what? So mm-hmm. I think one of the, and after talking with Ralph Blumenthal, who was, who wrote this book about John Mack, who t- covered all the abduction phenomenon, put his credibility and reputation on the line to sort of listen to these people. Um, I, I think it, it's, it's a service that, you know, uh, podcasts and people journalists who are dealing with this can can kind of help it's it's a it's pretty widespread a lot of people have gone through this and most of them have gone through it alone like without witnesses without and of course not everyone who know like what but you can't debate the authenticity or at least the that he believes it one thousand percent travis walton you know that he he believes that this happened to him um just like the Rendlesham Forest case, which again, like really compelling, um, and and beyond all of that, the hypnosis tapes of Betty and Barney Hill. Which do you want to just describe a little bit of who they were? Because this was another case of like, yeah, holy smokes. This to me is like what I loved about the first season of High Strange was going back to some of these historical cases. It's a great sort of test because you can see exactly what was happening in history really in that moment you know where technology was at i mean at least as far as we knew and all these different things and you know it's it's like a a picture of a ufo back then that that kodak could confirm to be real it's like okay well what the hell is it then because it's not photoshop these days it's like how do you verify anything if it's a deep fake or whatever but if you go back far enough and you, you you see this physical evidence it makes you wonder what the hell it, it really is. And to me, this is one of those cases because of the time frame. I think it was 63 or something like that. I think um, so. Early 60s. And as far as I could find, it was one of the first cases, if not the first, where people were describing a UFO as sitting still in the air and making no noise. 
hmm. and also experiencing time loss. And that's a recurring theme now. I mean, either I was like, okay, either they made this up and we all were influenced by that over the years, or it's one of the first documented cases of this actually happening. And I'm like, okay, it, it's, it's odd that that stuck around, right? It, mm -hmm. I think well, it's, it's also, I think, like, but, yeah, like the research Bud Hopkins was doing, you know, not long after that, uh, and like it's later on with David Jacobs, they, they kept finding that, that this story kept repeating and repeating and repeating, and it was right. repeating at a time when most people had never heard of Betty and Barney uh, or of the abduction phenomenon. Um, and but the stories were consistent and they were numerous and uh, and they were all coming from people that had no other indications of any kind of mental illness, which is the same thing that John Mack uh, kept emphasizing. These are people who are if they are insane, their insanity is completely compartmentalized to this one subject. Um, everything else about them is is normal. Right. And, so an outlier uh, incident. How do you explain that? Yeah. Well, not not only in not I mean also with performance skills that would rival Daniel Day Lewis or any other amazing act. Because if that if those tapes, <laughs> the 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 terror uh, and the trauma that these otherwise seemingly very normal people on a on a normal night driving through the woods and returning from i think a honeymoon or returning from a trip to montreal uh, i think yeah yeah and and these and they didn't which was interesting uh, i didn't realize this until i was listening to um that episode was they this was not a widely publicized thing right they went into hypno they went into therapy and hypnosis but they didn't have they a didn't lot of it out there they, they definitely weren't about they, they were kind of embarrassed about it and obviously still grappling with what it was that happened to them and also being an interracial couple at the time, they didn't want any unnecessary attention. And that's, that's what they, they told their, their family and their friends. So this is, you know, documented stuff. And so they, they really had no good reason to go out on a limb and make this up. So whatever happened, they believed that it happened. And science hasn't been able to explain that either to me. It's, you know, okay, sure, some, some you know, fugue state or whatever. But, like, what is that? What's the name mm -hmm. for that, right? Like, and then which brings up the interesting subject of debunking, which is mm -hmm. that uh, what 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 uh, passes for debunking. Uh, I know where you're going this day. Yeah, is is this notion that if you can hone in, if you can narrow your 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 aperture of 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 observation as much as possible to one aspect of an incident, yes. and show how that that aspect of the incident could be reproduced by other means. Mm -hmm. um, then you've debunked it. And the fact that you have to ignore the entire world of other information that surrounds that uh, doesn't enter into it. And that's kind of like, if there was real debunking, it would be, it'd be more interesting. But it's the fact that, you know, like with Betty and Barney Hill, I know when that came out, some people tried to debunk it as, uh, they were doing this because they were an interracial couple. They were doing this to try and, you know, Definitely make a political point. Not the case. Yeah. No, it's an absurd case to make. Quite the opposite, actually. Yeah. yeah. So there's no real upside to drawing attention to yourself in the 1960s as an interracial couple. Yeah. Not with this story, especially. I mean, it, no. it makes sense. 
And you do have you do interview Mick West, which is where Dave's going and doesn't really like to bring him up because oh, yeah. he's not pot. You know, he's and I, I, I but I, I think it's in, listen. I completely understand wanting to have the, you know, you, someone to say like bullshit, you know, and like or or very potentially bullshit because the the alternative is yeah. impossible. You know, I'm gronking on the alternative because so let's because I'm and I think and I'm just advocating for something that I don't definitively know either. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, who, we don't have the answer. So it's, it is easy. I mean, I think the, the, the Rendlesham forest case, am I saying that right? The Rendlesham forest. Rendlesham, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a case of, I guess, a U.S. air force base, correct. But in England, yes. actually two, two bases near each other, Bentwaters yes. and, uh, and what was the other one called? I forget now. Damn, um, I, I want to say Bentwaters. Damn, you, you took it. The, okay. Well, it was Bentwaters and, and the other one. The, less, yeah, the, less and the one close one. to it. The closest yeah. one to Bentwaters. And they, Rendlesham Forest was in between them. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And they had three three days of sightings, correct? Yeah. yeah. Like it started on Boxing Day. Tons I of people that yeah. all worked on the base. Mm-hmm. And the head of security of what is a nuclear base, correct? I mean, this is. Nuclear weapons are stored there. Yeah. Yes. Um, he has an encounter time that was top (laughs) secret at the time he has an encounter where he's putting hands on a ship that and again his his interview is you can't not be compelled you are trying hard to understand why in the hell is this guy putting his reputation his military career all of that on like out there what possibly motivates i don't know and but it's very compelling and he seems to be very you know but and i find it hard to believe that he would mistake the craft he's putting his hands on for a lighthouse that was three (laughs) three miles away i mean i the i don't know the geographical dynamics but it did it was one of those places where you know it it felt like um the 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 skeptic was just going out of their way to well if it's one that's really so compelling then uh-huh. We have to put that aside. I mean, is that yeah, kind of what zooming in thing, right? I mean, you could like it's possible that he isn't telling the truth about touching the craft, but it doesn't it doesn't take away from all the other accounts of all the other things that happened. It yeah. doesn't explain those away. It's like it's possible for one thing to be true or untrue and it not affect the other ones. I, I find it hard if you just zoom out and look at it. If it was just a lighthouse, then why are we even talking about it? Mm-hmm. And what? Yes. It's and why would they? Why would they why, over? Why yeah. Over several days, send out uh, <laughs> right. groups of security officers to investigate. But never it. again. That lighthouse and, is still there, so it, it doesn't the, make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Colonel, right. Colonel Holt, who went out the next day, when you know he got the message from somebody saying it's back. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, What's back. Yeah, yeah, the lighthouse has flown in again. So, and you know, and I think I've, I've read Colonel Holt saying, you know, I'm familiar with that lighthouse. I've been to that lighthouse. I have photographs of me with my friends in front of that lighthouse. Oh yeah, he hated the lighthouse theory. He yeah. was cracking me up with his responses. Yeah. It's, what does it's, that it's, tell you? What does that tell you about the skeptic community? Or what did you? What was your takeaway from that? I mean, if that's sort of what's being. So, like, my thing with the whole skeptic community is that I, I think to a healthy degree you need to always be, there needs to be checks and balances on, you know, n- new revelations. You know, when we're learning new things, it, especially in an era where you, you can't trust everybody and everything you see, you, you never, you never have been able to do that, but I feel like now more than ever. Right. 
Um, but what I don't like is what feels like a, a childish banter between just people saying, I believe this or, and I believe this. It's like, okay, well that just because you believe that doesn't mean that you're right. Yes. Either and one. Also, and also saying that something could be this is not proving that it isn't something else. It's not, you know, as I, I used to always bore my friends with this example that I can go out and I can hang like a, a paper plate from a string and take a picture of it and make it look just like the moon. But having done that, I haven't disproven the existence of the moon. Exactly. It's, you know, all I've done it is shown, all I've done is shown you can create the same effect. not any of those things. Yeah. Well, you, you 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 have some practice on the on the trying to do a <laughs> you, you, you tried, guys tried yeah you tried to do it what, so what, how did that turn out we're gonna do it right we're gonna do it right <laughs> already yeah. already found out how to do it I, I we were trying too hard we we were trying to be mythbusters when we were not we need, <laughs> yeah. we need to buy a thing we need to buy a thing <laughs> from Amazon I, I found one from like China it's it's actually like a UFO blow up helium craft that would look it would either be did someone put this in the sky to look like a ufo or is it one so it's like yeah. one the other, right yeah okay so I one of the goals of season cool. two of high strange is to get on at least the local news well like the the real goal i mean and my my business partner donald was like worried that it might take away credibility which which i was kind of worried about too if if, if i lie you know, why you believe anything else I do, but I also kind of wanted to, to see how possible it was. And in, in our experiment, you know, just one of one, it was harder than we thought. And we weren't, we weren't, we were trying, you know, we, we wanted to succeed. We wanted that, that cool footage, but we failed. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a hard, I mean, a hard one to pull off, but I, you know, we don't, we don't know what, technology exists obviously people are gonna you know a percentage of these could be planes flying in tandem at night with lights off for no particular reason i mean there's going to be sure. a few of those um and there's still and there'll be people that can still try to poke holes at david grush's story and maybe it's bullshit but it's sort of like we just need the opportunity to act you know to get to you know people should be able to make their draw their own conclusions rather than just keep it in the the shadows and in the dark. So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting experiment. Um, and, you know, and, and worth trying. And I think at the, uh, at the end of the day, it's still, you know, the most compelling evidence is, are the people that have, you know, and, and how do you, how do you gauge someone's character? And it's interesting. I I'm in your true crime experience. You must have, you, you must have, thought multiple times like oh i've got it like i've got them i have the most experience in that when it comes to investigating something and so i was trying to apply that because you know i don't have i'm not seeing the craft i didn't get to go into the cool bunker and see all these retrievals mm -hmm. so i'm just going off people's stories do i believe them or not and what are their motivations to lie if they were or does it just add up and at what point does it sound like uh, it's it's a little crazier that it isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, um, and it's strange that this is the, uh, the one, again, the one subject where not only does you know, the press will do nothing about it, but it's also the one subject where people will keep telling you, well, eyewitness accounts are the worst accounts possible. Um, 
even though the, you know the obvious counter argument is well we do we do actually send people to to their death based on eyewitness accounts and and there's also a difference between uh you know and there's even ex, you know that fighter pilots aren't better observers but they they are because their job part of their job is they know that at the end of every mission they're going to be debriefed so they know they have to give a detailed account of everything they saw and everything they experienced on their mission. So they're paying really close attention to everything, which most people aren't all the time. Like if you're just, if you're in a bank and it gets robbed, you're logging yeah, you're, in your head. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going, ah, what's going on? You know, you're panicked and you're get, yeah. catching some of the details, but you're missing tons. But if you're a fighter pilot whose life depends on knowing what's in the sky, you know, and, and again, I'll use the parallel. Like, like if I, if I walk, if you have me walk through a field and then ask me what, and on the other side, so what vegetation did you see? I'll give you I a vague, know. oh, yes, yeah, I saw some trees, some grass, you know. But if uh, if you have a botanist walk through the same field and ask ask the botanist what they saw, it'll be a lot more detailed. And if you tell the botanist before they walk through the field, we're going to ask you exactly what you saw as you walk through this field. He's You're going to get an even more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, to me, the, the argument against the uh, eyewitness testimony is bullshit argument. Um. Because really, yeah, because we don't, except for, a, a, obviously, um, uh, some what we're hearing now, a small group of people somewhere who have hands-on access to this stuff. Uh, everything else is just witness testimony. But it is people, you know, people, credible people who, you know, to quote, uh, uh, was it General Ramey back in the 50s, you know, credible people uh, reporting relatively incredible things. Yeah, it's a good you know? And uh, and we haven't moved past that at if all. If you go back to Roswell, like that time period, and I mean, it's been, I mean, bad at math here, 70 years, I don't, 70 something years? I don't know. It's uh, uh, yeah, a lot. Seven, yeah, over, over 70, over 70 years, years. Yeah, 47, so whatever, however many years that is. For almost a century, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like if, like, it's like one of two things here. Are we just so curious with, the best imaginations in the world that we have convinced ourselves that something is, is real when it's not or what? Cause it should have died by now. I feel like, well, it have been Ros debunked definitively. And Roswell was, uh, was taken out of the public consciousness for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, basically the, the, the weather balloon photo got everyone in the press to just ignore it. And then the public was convinced, oh, it's all just bullshit. And nobody talked about uh, about uh, Roswell again until the 70s. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, that flimsy thing they had, if, that, if that's what fell, why would it even be a story? Mm -hmm. And why would all those people who witnessed something carry this story with them all those years? And then when they felt safe come forward all of a sudden like even just doesn't make sense yeah yeah like like just Jesse Marcel's uh who was the security officer at Roswell and that's the other thing people people often uh get it in their heads and I know I used to do this too where where you go oh Roswell it's this crazy little hick town and they're all I, loonies I thought that this was all bullshit I thought Roswell yeah. was 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 the one that was definitely not true and I feel yeah. the opposite now well and you realize that the the base outside of Roswell was the most important military base in the yeah, world at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's where the nuclear bomb was, where the yeah. the fighter, the, the nuclear wing was housed. And it was the most surveilled place on Earth by the Soviets. 
you know, that 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 part of America was filled with Soviet spies yeah. at that time, uh, because this is the most important American asset, you know, military asset. Um, and and the security for it is this guy who came out, saw something, said it's a disc. And and then the next day goes, oh, I was wrong. So that is is uh, clearly it's a lie one way or the other, but it's. You know, but you right. don't, this wasn't just, you know, this wasn't just a bunch of farmers. This was the, you know, the security officer for the most secure and most important military asset in the world. Well, I, I think the campaign that, you know, Payne, to your point about like, it, not only has the story endured and thrived and is growing and wasn't debunked, it, it did that through a total campaign to stigmatize it. Uh, make fun of it, uh, discourage anyone from looking into it, ridiculing anyone who did look into it, making it something that journalists shouldn't touch, that they'll lose, you know, their status if they do. So it's it just speaks to its enduring quality that even despite all of that, it um, it's it's kind of even flowering more at this moment. Is there an area where, where do you want to go in another season of high strange? Like what are some areas that you didn't get into or what are some aspects to it that you haven't, that you didn't cover in this really well, like wide ranging uh, first, you know, few episodes. I'd certainly love to be able to cover some of the more recent events uh, just topically um, and, you know, investigate some of those and, talk to some insiders and kind of unpack that a little bit more. But I also want to kind of mirror the way that the first season was and show that this is not just an American issue. It's not some, you know, folklore in American history. So a lot of people actually had that question. I mean, it seems like an American thing. I mean, it does if you just, if you're watching all the shows on yeah. our TVs, but you know, Let's go find the two journalists like Brian Bender and Leslie Kane that have been covering these in the UK for the same amount of time and and show how similar it is and kind of have explore some of these international cases that are in, in a lot of ways even more puzzling than the ones that we presented in the first season. Mm -hmm. And just like the, mirror yeah. that and then hit even harder on the the right now part of it with where this goes next and, you know, what's true about what's being said today. Mm -hmm. It definitely feels like it's an accelerating story right now. It definitely feels like it's, it's in fast mode. It, it's, yeah. it's kind of bizarre. Is that our echo chamber? Cause we're just happy. Like, cause I've been asking myself the same thing where I'm like, okay, well, obviously this has been a part of my life now for six months to a year, much more than it was before. And so everything's coming at me like, but I'm like, no, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm curious if you're thinking, cause you've probably been in the same headspace. I think it's a, it, it definitely is a factor that, you know, we're, we're all talking about it. And so it's, it's being louder and louder. But I also think that the younger generation doesn't give a shit. They, like they don't. They're like, oh, okay. We are, we already thought they were real anyway. They don't really care. It's like, you know, it's my grandparents and people like that who it, it may fundamentally, you know, poke at their belief system more 
they've lived an entire life thinking something else. I'm not going to change it now. And I, I, I get that, though. So mm -hmm. I think that the the younger generation doesn't care like that. They, they're just like, yeah, whatever. And other people are just tired of like, why isn't this gone away yet? Right. Like, yeah. Why are we still talking about this? Let's put it to rest already. You know, so I think there's a little bit of that too, just kind of uh, fed up with what this is, you know? And the, what do we do about it is so, you know, I mean, it is, it's a hard one, right? Like, well, I don't, you know, okay, I'm going to stop my life and pay attention to this now. What do you want my takeaway to be? And it's sort of like, well, this is pretty fucking important for all that, you know, it changes a lot of, you know, but it's hard to go like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to, you know, raising my kids and doing my job, but, you know, and, and until um, something, you know, the crazy thing is, it does feel like we, that there will be some um, forcing of attention pretty soon. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're feeling and detecting and sensing, because I don't recall a level of government uh, involvement or, uh, you know, the, the very, very curious signals that are coming out of like high levels of government and the mixed signals and the lack of a sort of organized communication. That's what is so strange about this moment. Um, I think a big others. trope in this whole topic is that the government does know everything, right? And that they've been keeping it a secret. I've, I've said multiple times, I, mean, I, I don't think that the government is that smart. I don't think that they're that talented at being able to orchestrate that across the board. I, it has to be super small and hidden. I think that, you know, going back to the whole, you know, ridicule camp campaign that this has survived, but I think some of that has actually still lingered too. I think that there were some people who knew some stuff that died with that information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back then, there it was. You know, I thought like there was a, you know, a different sort of allegiance to your secret keeping with that kind of thing. Now it's like I'm gonna blow the top off this, right? I'm going to the New York Times. Um, I feel yeah. like there's there's more of that now, and it's even being supported. But I, I think there's there were people who knew stuff that probably died with that information, and I bet you they it's some of it's probably lost forever. And it's like we almost like hit a gap of like having to start over again or something. And it's it's just messy. And it's I think people in Congress are probably looking around saying, like, what is going on? Like, yeah, is this real. Like, we don't know. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and that is I mean, that's a bizarre place to be in. It's else I think maybe part of part of their vulnerability. Uh, <laughs> right. Because if your job is to know and to protect. Then... <laughs> right. Yeah. Coming, you know, having to come forward and say, oh, yeah, we don't know what that is. And oh, if it wants to do anything, um, you're on your own. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> you We're know? working on that. Yeah. 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 We had a yeah. yeah and we had an interesting conversation with um, Gary Nolan's the Stanford. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been a molecular biologist and, and you know, brilliant guy and obviously very much on the That's forefront. Right. We were just discussing the the legacy aspect to this, that this was probably tucked away very early on by religious military people who just on certain grounds were like, we don't want to mess with it. We don't want to do, you know, and so it was, it was kind of shuttered dust grew over it every once in a while. They might bring it out and be like, I don't know, can you figure this out? And if not put it back, you know, which 
could explain, I suppose, the fractured nature of this inside the government that is, again, just not a monolithic, single thinking creature, but this just, <laughs> it's a broken mirror of a million different shards. And you, you know, and yeah, I guess, I, I mean, I find it unsettling that the, these senators don't know and are kind of going like, yeah, this shit's weird. It's, I mean, that's it's, it's making the most sense at this point a little bit. Where, yeah. Where that's why it's the way that it is. Yeah, because you know it's just you old. don't know as much as we thought you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he and we talked about it sort of as like a creaky old dam, right? That it's just it's 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 right, an it's old good. wall, and that old wall just has now like a lot of holes in it, and um, and you know I guess we'll find out why it was put up in the first place. And like I said, maybe you know maybe the answer is a little disturbing, but um, you know I still err on the side of like let people know, let people know the truth about their world to the extent it's knowable yeah what point do we just say fuck it we have to i mean if it's reality yeah. then yeah and, about here. and it's the nature of the human history we've been many times told that that there's information that will destroy society mm -hmm. and it never has whether it was the fact that jupiter had moons uh we managed to get we managed to get through that okay yeah um and uh, so, you know, and people about religion, I, I, I mean, I believe, look, if you believe in, if you believe in God, uh, there's tons of reasons not to already. Uh, you don't need UFOs to shake your faith. Yeah, that's not going to be the lynch. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you feel like you're, like, how do you think you're going to react? Because uh, you're, I would say you're, 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 a, you're a younger man than, say, Tom and I, well, especially me. Um, I think that's accurate. It depends how, on how deep it goes. Yeah, you know, you know, I've thought, and I've thought pretty deeply. You know, and am I just scratching the surface? You know, or or is it is it less than that? I, I don't know. But well, if if it if we finally get if we do get confirmation and confrontation in, in, that that there's non-human exactly specific uh, that 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 we are coexisting on this planet with non-human intelligences and they're on our planet. They're on our planet. They're here. They've right been here now for a long time. Go? That they are here already. I, I mean, that's what I think. If we get it, that's what we're getting. Kind of way. They could be pandemic. They could have come here. You know, as I've said before, they could they could have come here from a great distance. But mm. if they're also temporal travelers, they could have arrived here at all points in history at the same time. Um, so there's like we can't even be guaranteed that if they just you know that just that they seem to have been here for thousands of years doesn't mean they really have been. It would if be that amazing makes sense. to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how, how, yeah, how would you live with that knowledge? Would it affect your day-to-day -day life knowing that? No, because yesterday was, was the same thing. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I just know more now. I just know, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought there's an intersect with, with ghosts and stuff sometimes with the, you know, I feel like science will eventually explain everything. I'm convinced of that. It, so far it has. Yeah. Um, Maybe they're all connected in some in some way that, you know. You're a, a material reductionist. Uh, I don't know. That sounds cool. What is that? Yeah, that's what I am too. I, I've always believed, yeah, that everything everything that exists is physical. Yes. And we just have to we just have to know more to figure out what it is. That like everything there's, has no, a, there's no magic. Is what you're saying? It's not yeah. like a, and magic uh, is the unknown, right? Yes. And now I'm you know, and now I'm uh, older. And my my faith in uh, material reductionism is is fading a little in the light of this phenomena and in the light of other like how so? related phenomena. Well, I think I'm 
starting to get to the point where I realize that, um, and oddly, science, some parts of science are traveling this way too, that our view of the universe as a physical thing is a little flimsy. Totally. Um, you know, for one thing, we, you know, they discovered about 15 years ago that 95% of the matter in the universe is missing, uh, which is a pretty big oversight um, on the part of science. Can you um, look into that in season two yeah. of High Strange, just that missing 95% of the universe? Oh, yeah, we'll find it. Yeah. yeah. And, really and, then on, and then on top, you've got people who are saying that space-time itself might be an illusion, that distance might be an illusion. Um, and these are people, physicists, saying mm -hmm. these crazy things. And, and then on top of that, there's issues of consciousness and maybe the, the possibility that maybe we do persist beyond uh beyond death so that's that's the one i i, I think i had to have been read it uh but it, it it shook me when i read it. i was like oh man this is uh if this were true you wouldn't want to tell everybody this necessarily but it, it was the loose idea that you know when you die you, you do go somewhere there's no heaven and hell and it's like basically there isn't any real consequences for what you're doing here on mm -hmm. earth yeah some people really need that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think there's, I, I think we can't, un, you know, uh, we can't underestimate the impact of the removal of the spiritual, regardless of one's own kind of how we, on, you know, the larger populace. Um, having said that, I have found it, you know, that a, that a interesting avenue of inquiry in this whole conversation is kind of the chemical the idea of chemical gateways, the idea of the, the, you know, whether it's DMT or ayahuasca or what these, these, they've been around forever. They're ubiquitous in our environment. These molecules exist within our brains. That's, it's believed, you know, and, um, I'm not a, I don't partake because I don't think my brain can handle it at this stage in my life, but I am, I'm curious. It, it does get into what Dave's talking about in terms of like how, our perception is entirely ruled by the internal workings of our brain. And there's nothing particularly objective. It's all subjective for all of us because of just what our brain remembers. And then it's saying, oh, that tree you're seeing is a tree because I recognize it from my previous memory. Like we are, and as you take that to the kind of DMT experiments and what people are experiencing on some of these journeys, it seems to be the only chemical that, um, not every time, but you, you, you go meet folks, you go, you meet entities and, and you are having experiences that seem far outside of what I used to kind of experiment with, you know, back at, you know, I mean, it's, there's, I mean, you always had a sense of awe if you were, you know, doing some hallucinogens or whatever, but this is a whole, whole new ball game and a really interesting area of study, frankly. Yeah. Why is it always the same things? You know, is it, yes. is this drug just doing something specific to our brain that elicits like a, the exact same imagination Yeah, or Which, is it yeah. actually there? Yeah, there's cause definitely, uh, cause you know, I mean, I guess DMT in our brains plays a role in dreaming, mm -hmm. uh, but our dreams are all very idiosyncratic and, you know, and unique and, and variable even from dream to dream. 
Whereas the DMT experience seems to be fairly consistent. Yeah. Why is there a cast, the a same, cast of fucking characters? characters? The same stuff. And you're like, why, yeah. Is, yeah. why is it the same? To and the point, I think it, there, there's a program right similar now. similar to the, I'm sorry, but why is it similar to the abduction process? I mean, like in, in terms of right. some of the things yeah. that people are going through, like, and, yeah. um, and I think yeah, there's a group of people that, that it's so consistent. There are, there is a group of scientists, I believe, who are trying to map the, the territory of where these entities live. They're trying to actually map the, the DMT experience oh, wow. as, a, as a physical space. Yeah, basically. I heard through IV, right, which will make it because it's supposed to be a very short, <laughs> a short ride. Probably that's a good thing, but they're using IV to prolong it so they can stay longer in this realm. Oh, wow. And mm -hmm. and yeah, and get more info. But um, okay, interesting yeah. conversation for another time, perhaps. But it's yeah. um, and one, one thing. Can I do something? I don't know if Chrissy minds, but before we sign off, I just want to. Can I can, can I get Chrissy to sign on for a second? I'm here. This, 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 <laughs> I don't know if you met Chrissy. Hello. Because I, I think one one other thing. I'll, I want to point out another interesting cultural thing is that you uh, when I, I read about your podcast high strange mm -hmm. uh and went oh this sounds interesting and i heard you know this and then and i told chrissy about it and she immediately went oh my pain Lindsay," and <laughs> and so you're also bridging a cultural divide in that i think predominantly the audience for true crime is women it is yes and the and and traditionally the audience for ufos is old men who look exactly like Tom and I. 100%. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So this is this is an, a, a wonderful amalgamation uh, you're bringing, bringing together everybody here. together. Yes. Have you heard the I've Had It podcast? I have not heard that one uh, yet. No. These two ladies, uh, they're hilarious. Check them out. They're, they're huge right now. Writing I, it I went on that show to talk about this. And they're also like, you know, you would not think would be the target demographic for a UFO show at all, which, but it, that was, that's what I was trying to do really was yeah. like expand it. Right. Like we're going to be there. We're, we're going to tune in either way. Like us three, right. Mm -hmm. We're already in that. We're, we're in the club, you know, we yeah. signed up. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's nice to, I mean, there are, there are some women coming into the field, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I think your help, you're helping bridge bridge between the two audiences. Yeah, well, they, you guys have dragged me in kicking and screaming. Yeah, uh, but I completely was completely <laughs> against your will. Yes, I, we're not going to let you yeah. go. You have to stay here. Now. I'm here. I'm here. More. I'm in. And I was already, well, you know, yeah. true crime. Starting to look weird over here. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right. I'm here. To One help. famous dinner where Chrissy was like, "Oh shit, this is really happening, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah. It's like that's remember. <laughs> All well. right, I'll produce. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And of course, and I was the guy just boring everybody at dinner going, <laughs> well, you have to this. did you hear about this latest documentary? And uh, and that's how I've, I was, you know, and now I've ruined everyone's quiet time yeah, at night. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> my fourth, uh, my fourth of July party where I was, you know, someone asked about the podcast and I went, okay, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Get a drink real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Guys. yeah. Now, and have you, Ed Payne, have you become, as, have you become that guy in your circle of friends now? The, the UFO guy, you, totally. you know? Yeah. They're always like, so, okay. So for real, like, what do you think? Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? What do I think? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like ask <laughs> what you're trying to ask. They're yeah. like, well, like, is it real? I'm like, is what real? Like are aliens? Real? Yes. They're real. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's, like, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, so I just sort of yep. yeah. I say the the, the UFO phenomena is it there is a there is a reality to it. I don't yeah. know what the yeah. hell it is. Yeah, I don't exactly. know if anyone on Earth knows what it is, 
but Mick West there is yeah. one. Yeah, and, yeah, and until, until now. It's, light, it's a lighthouse. <laughs> until now for me. I was, <laughs> you all know it's actually the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Look, that lighthouse sleeps, is everywhere. He sleeps better at night than any of us will. He's, I, yeah. I actually think that that was like one of the first times I've ever heard him on High Strange say that that he thinks that ET life is totally possible, though. Yeah, he didn't shoot it down all the way. No, but that's an easy out. Sure. In the vastness of, the I know universe. guys who wouldn't say that either. Yeah, yeah, but you you can always do that in the vastness of the universe. Well, right, and the, exactly. And over the expanse of all yeah. of eternity. Uh huh. You know. But uh, I know I've definitely had a lot of long, frustrating conversations with with Mick on on Twitter really? that that usually just ended me going, "Oh, you're doing it again." Yeah, <laughs> it's like I start, every once in a while I think, "Oh, maybe he actually has something," and I go, "Oh, no." I reply to so many of those guys, and they just ignore me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I I know I'm not like like a super big guy, but like. You're applying to people like nobody's over here. Like, what are you? Oh, well, Mick, hop, oh, Mick, hop on over Mick to Dave. You're picking on people. Pick <laughs> yeah, on me. Mick will show up in any conversation, it seems like. I don't know why he's not bugging you. You must, yeah. you must have Maybe worried. You responded to a couple of them. I, actually, it was that one where the semi-recent, like the the pilot in the plane and that weird UFO-looking thing flies by. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like uh, saying that it, it's a balloon. And I was saying... Okay, I mean, it could be. Um, I'm like, can, we can agree though. It's a very UFO-y looking balloon, and if it was a balloon, like, shouldn't we be able to eventually definitively find it, like, for sale somewhere or something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are yeah. we like at that point though, where like you could like go find? Like, I found it. This is the one. We didn't yeah. find it yet. That perfect. That, will, but that perfectly spherical solid looking silver balloon that yeah because I, I want it i'm gonna everyone's if, if flying you around find it i'll buy yeah because they had, you know there's birthday parties coming up yeah exactly you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. well look this was awesome i hope we can do this again Payne. this, this was, was great Absolutely. thank you for coming um this is yeah. super informative and we're really looking yeah. forward to the next season of high strange and what else has got and you know are you and you're still um what else you got in the cooker you're a very busy man yeah, so I'm actually heading out to Alaska tomorrow. I am uh, working on the next Up and Vanished season. Nice. Yay. So I'll be, be there a lot this summer. And um, yeah, it's well, going to be a... Uh, well, Chrissy's dragged me into that. Ride. Yeah. Yeah, see, it works both ways. Also, <laughs> exactly. uh, I think we need your, your grandmother's recipe for the cookies. Okay. Oh, cowboy, cowboy cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're What's in those? And eventually... And, yeah. I was going to say, and also eventually we're going to get to the bottom of why your name is backwards. <laughs> it um, is. Yeah. You know what's annoying I, is that like, er, like this is like nine times out of ten. Every hotel that's ever been booked, I, obviously I put my name in correctly. Um, <laughs> and I get there, like some somebody like on the the line somewhere takes the liberty of switching it themselves. So yeah, like, so you surely they meant this <laughs> mr payne yeah. your room is ready mr payne and it's like on the i'm like did you do it was it you mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah well thank you so much well, payne it's great to meet nice you talk. yeah thank you thank you thank so you. much really, talk soon. All right. it's been it's been great talking to you all right likewise thanks payne 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.